0: As complex and intricate as life can be, we often have a tendency to apply direct binary maxims to simplify it all, either ors, black or white, A or B, and I am no different. For me, I have a few precepts I employ when out in the world. I believe there are two kinds of people, people who do and people who do not. Let me be more specific. Everyone is an active, creative, engaged, contributing human being. Past our individual daily grinds, we all have our passions, our muses, our preoccupations that invigorates and buoys our spirits. Maybe it's writing poetry, maybe it's knitting, maybe it's playing tennis, singing in the shower, whatever it is. But the moment which separates the people who do and the people who do not is when a person decides to take their obsession, their passions, their private personal work, and hang it up and out into the world, risking public flagellation and derision in hopes of adulation and acceptance. It's a very scary and vulnerable feeling when you put something out into the world for all to see in hopes of gaining acceptance. We all do it, whether it's a band's new record or an illustrator's new piece of art. No matter how long you've been in the game and no matter how much success you've achieved, every participant in this ongoing dog and pony show has an equal amount of nervousness. When it it is received favorably, The feeling is one of elation, but when it is negatively received, it can be the worst feeling in the world. Knowing how much it takes to step into the public eye, I have an immediate, automated, almost unconscious respect for anyone who has enough courage to do so. I instinctually root for underdogs, especially when their attempt is so gallant and their fall so flamboyant. Case in point, Jan Terry You don't know Jan Terry? Jan Terry is a singer who achieved viral video fame on YouTube with her song, Losing You. It has achieved the status of worst video ever made, and she has been ridiculed and sneered at endlessly for this video, as well as for her singing and her appearance. If you haven't seen it by now, log on to YouTube immediately and type in Jan Terry Losing You, J-A-N-T-E-R-O. T-E-R-R-I, Losing You. Laugh if you will, but this is a legitimate song off her 1993 album, Baby Blues. There are also other videos on there from her discography, which number five releases. Baby Blues from 93, High Risk from 94, Wild One from 2012, No Rules from 2013, and Holiday Songs from 2014. Videos like Baby Blues, My Little Brother, Journey to Mars, Ava Maria, Get Down Goblin, Skyrockets, and many more are up there for your perusal. Look, I'm not going to lie. I laughed my ass off when I first saw Losing You, as did every single person I know who saw it. I laughed so hard that I kept hitting refresh, and I'd probably seen Losing You easily 20 times. But after a while, as is often the case with Repetition, something that Top 40 Radio employs, I started to actually like it. I like Losing You, and I like Jan Terry. I watched her other videos for songs like Baby Blues and Journey to Mars. I listened to album cuts. Look, she's not going to win any Grammys or any Mercury or Polaris prizes anytime soon, but there is a legitimate place for her and her music, If fandom for Jan Terry isn't achieved through the actual music itself, one can argue her earnestness, her sincerity, her innocent keenness, as well as her strength of character and conviction to continue to make music, despite universal denigration, is enough to earn her a place, if not in people's music collections, at least in people's hearts." Okay, I'm not I'm not sitting there stroking my chin and analyzing her tunes. You know, I'm smiling and laughing, but to me, she has achieved the pinnacle of outsider music status and deserves a place alongside people like Daniel Johnston, Jad Fair, Jandek, Wesley Willis, Tiny Tim, and The Shags. There are a lot of people I've had on this podcast where I can't believe I got them on. But Jan Terry, to me, is a person from another realm, and she's this episode's guest. It's surreal. One thing that struck me while getting ready to talk to her and watching YouTube interviews with Jan was the disgusting way that some people treated her. Just because you find her music music amusing doesn't give you any right to treat her the way i heard her treated during some of these interviews some interviewers were totally completely disrespectful utterly juvenile making fun of jan to her face or worse humoring her and off mic huddling up to high five each other at her expense for some reason i immediately felt protective of her Also, the amount of insulting comments online are enough to just lose your faith in humanity. It's admirable that she powers through it all. And look, if you actually made the effort to go online and insult this woman who is doing nothing wrong but making music, to simultaneously paraphrase and directly quote Ian MacKay from Fugazi, and this is a quote from a minor threat song, at least she's trying. And my question to all the haters would be, What the fuck have you done? If life can indeed be distilled into two groups, I'm proud to be part of Jan's, the ones that do. There is an interesting connection between this podcast and Jan Terry, one of the first people to ever upload the Losing You video on YouTube with someone named Jimmy Buffalo, and he did it 10 years ago. In the video's description, Jimmy Buffalo credits the video rip from TV Carnage, and if you are a regular listener to this podcast, you will know that TV Carnage is a series made by none other than Derek Beckles, past guest of this podcast, and more recently, Derek had Jan on his hot package adult swim show that we mentioned during the episode. An interesting six degrees of Jan Terry in action here, and I just wanted to mention that. This podcast is supported by Blue Mic Microphones and Skull Candy headphones. Please leave a rating or a review in iTunes if you could. It helps the podcast's profile and helps bring in more listeners. I must say that I'm very touched by all the positive reviews up there. Recently, I was out and about, and someone came up to me and said he loved the podcast. And I'm genuinely surprised, taken aback, and I'm flattered when anyone says that about the podcast. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here doing the intro to this episode, and I'm convinced that I'm the only one that I'm talking to. You know, so I'm glad that people are actually listening. Okay, here we go. Jan Terry, the legendary Jan Terry, is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Stop, stop, hey, stop,
1: stop. The Danko Jones podcast is the best
0: around. Nick Flanagan is Danko's co host. Download for free on SoundCloud and iTunes. Sometimes Damien from Fucked Up stops by and hangs
1: out too. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. Yeah! Doing.
2: hey it's uh it's danka jones calling
1: yeah okay you're ready you to sit and work and vote all right yeah well
2: first of all i want to say thank you for for uh um talking to me today um i know you're you seem to be pretty hectic and busy these days um but i just wanted to to, to talk to you and and t- to talk about your career and and music and all your songs and your albums, et cetera, et cetera. I'm a big fan. And oh, I, thank you. I have this podcast, and you know, I've I've interviewed a, a whole bunch of people, talked to a whole bunch of people, but getting the getting the message from you after I reached out to you was uh, my heart just leaped, um, knowing that I was closer to talking to you. So I just want to say before we start. Thank you so much. This is a real thrill and an honor to talk to you.
1: Hey, I'm, no, I'm n- nobody famous. I'm just, just like you, m- like you and me. I'm, I'm you know, just a down to person.
2: Well, that's that's the feeling that I get when um, you know I've I did a little bit of research um, past the videos.
1: It's <laughs> me that answers the emails and it's me that answers the Facebook. I don't have any secretary or anything. You know? Right,
2: right. Well, past the the, the music, uh, I did a little research, and in doing so, you know, I, I watched a, a few interviews and, and all that stuff, and uh, I really just got this feeling that you are just very genuine, very down-to-earth, and very sincere uh, about who you are and about the music that you make.
1: Well, I try I try to make music to make people happy. I mean, you know, it's acted out here with this... Stupid election going on. Everybody's stressed out and, and, you know, so. I just try to have my music be happy and I'm not a very complex songwriter. It's more like, um, i would say, like the Beatles and I like Barry Manilow and he, his music was, his music was pretty good. I, I have a, I like a very, um, for today, music. I mean, I like every all different types of music.
2: Well, that kind of shows when you even listen to not just all your albums, but even on one album, the, the genres that you mix up song to song, track to track, can be anywhere between, like one song is a country song, the next song is like a Celtic-infused song, the next song is a pop song, the next song is a rock song, the next song is an even heavier rock song, you know, and then you go back to pop again. Um, so it's and then you also take on like um, uh, you know uh, holiday music, which is a kind of a genre onto itself. Which I think it's kind of cool that you did that because it's a novelty. Yeah, I
1: was going to have a yeah, I was going to have an album that they had um, for the whole year. You know, like a song for January, February, March, April. You know, everything. So. I,
2: I noticed that with holiday songs, which you released in uh, two thousand
1: fourteen, right? Um, yeah, because I had, I had Get Down Goblin and and Roll Santa back in 93, they were on a cassette, and then I finally added them to the wild one, and then, then it came Excuse My Christmas, and then the count is the B side of the um, Get Down Goblin, but technically, the count was, I started to write the count first, and I tossed it in a drawer and I forgot about it, so Get Down Goblin came, so technically the count follows the Get Down Goblin.
2: Yeah, because is is the count even included on, uh, oh yeah, the count is on Holiday Songs, so yeah. So Counts
1: on have... Holiday Songs, and the count is also on the um, the No no Rules album, I believe. So, so um, it's, yeah, because the Wild, Wild One album was, might even be on the Wild One album. Yeah, um, I,
2: noticed, I noticed that there's like double songs on certain albums and stuff.
1: Right. Um, the Wild One album was done in Nashville, so that's mostly country.
2: Right. Now, uh, can we go back to like 93, 94? Because I feel that in 93, 94, you were like, you were very fertile with music coming out. Uh, there's a lot of a, a lot of you're very prolific with with a lot of uh, your music at that time. Um, those two records were put out. Uh, your first one, Baby Blues, and, and, and uh, what was it, High Risk? And right, a lot um, of the vi- videos were that that everybody knows on YouTube were from those kind of ninety three ninety four years. So what was going on with you that you were able to come up with all this music within these like kind of one or two years?
1: well ninety two seriously, I started the white ninety two album, which was baby blue, but it got released in ninety three and then while I was working on ninety three I wrote some more songs for ninety four um I was trying to go in as a songwriter, and i was and that's how I was trying to go in and Baby blues they all think it's a r and b song, so they used to put me in the r and b section, but it isn't. Right. It's, and and, pop. and the other thing is people in the mucus industry, because I, um, I was working with my friends at, before it was Wells Records, and they said that the record company says you need to put out videos. And being that I went to Columbia College and I majored in broadcast and film and TV and that stuff, so um, I got a hold of Mike, who was just video... Mike was just simply videotaping um, bands when they performed, and I asked them if you wanted to do something different. So that's how I got Mike involved.
2: Who's Mike?
1: Mike was my um, director and cinematographer that made the videos.
2: Okay, now, something that a lot of people don't realize, when you make a video, it costs a lot. Um, and usually the costs are um, eaten up by, you know, the record company takes care of that. Now, you were, you were if correct me if I'm wrong, but you were pretty much an independent artist making a lot of videos. I mean, there's a lot of videos around that time. How are you financing all of this?
1: I financed it myself in Plus Two. Mind you, being that, I went to Columbia College, and I majored in, in TV, film, and that, I had that background in it and plus two, mind you, I had to do it on a lower budget than than the record labels. The record labels can dish out thousands of millions of dollars and I had to do it on a shoestring type of a budget, which is more mine is more realistic looking. We don't have you know, so I mean yeah. I went out and shot quotations well, and got the permissions for where I'm shooting it at. That's the thing and then that I lined is. up my friends and stuff like that, and my mine, right. mine realistically cost, cost me um less money than than people that spend that the record labels spend a lot of money and some of those artists that spend a lot of money on their videos tell you the truth they suck, and they spend millions of dollars,
2: and they don't get as many hits as yours do,
1: right. Um my mine, mine's real mine mine I you know light makeup and out of them um the girl had my hair like uh like Dolly Parton and the people back in the eighties will up but, but that's my own natural hair yeah. and my own clothes, and we try to make it more realistic well and we shot it we shot it in a day well.
2: Which one are you specifically referencing? All of them, or losing you, or
1: all, all of them? All of them was shot in a day. The only, the only thing Junior to Mars had to do was um, Mike did extra stuff, you know, in the editing. But all my videos, are, uh, and I sing the song, it just shot in one day.
2: You shot and each it, video in a day, each
1: a day each. Yeah. Stuff. It's possible. It, it, it's possible. It can work. Um, you know, it, like, I, I prove it. It can work. It's just, yeah. you know, you just do it and you just do realistically. Maybe you, we just do one or two takes. That's it. We don't we don't spend hours of rehearsing and stuff like that. We just shoot.
2: Right. One take and then move on to the next shot. Yep. Um, okay. So since we're here talking about the videos and about that time period, I can't not ask you about losing you, which is pretty much the video and the song which you are best known for and which has made you a YouTube viral sensation. So can you tell me a little bit of the background about losing you? Um, you know, what's what's the story behind that song? What's the story behind that video?
1: Well, losing you is about you're going with somebody and um You had enough of of the baloney, and so that's how the song was written. And the only thing is I had to go out and search for locations. And at the time, um, Hopeful Winfrey was using the La Meridian Hotel. So I talked to the general manager, and I asked him if we could shoot there. And I told him it was for promotion, and he says, good, he says, he needs a copy. He says, can I have a copy so he can promote it? For when he, for sales meetings, promoting his, um, hotel. And I said, yes. Yeah. I said, sure. And then, um, same as like I called Uni- United and I asked them if I can shoot stuff at United. And back then, before 9-11, you could, you could go into public places with a camera. But, and mind you, we only go with one camera and we keep it low profile. And it, so it, it worked. Right you know we'll we, don't, we don't drink a lot of equipment and, and stuff with us to um because then you then you have to have um then you have to have uh, a, a whole permit. bunch of um, permits and all kinds of stuff right. which you um yeah you you I was bounded for one for one for, for losing you, I was bounded for that thing, and it was like a million dollar bond for the day and it cost like four or five hundred dollars. Wow. Other than that, but
2: other than that three, that's a lot of money,
1: well, yeah, because mind you, um, you have to go to the Illinois film office, and then then I found those ways around doing it, so I found other ways, but yeah,, well, they want you is... to be bonded, and then they also want you to have you're, you're supposed to hire a- um a police officer with you, so if you they need streets blocked off where well, he's supposed to be there give people away, but it's like, um, no, I can do it. I found a way. It, it, it could be done. So. Who's,
2: the, who's the guy in the video? Who, who's your like love interest in the video?
1: It wasn't. His his name was uh, Vincent Vinnie, and he hung up at uh, the tavern with my dad, we hanged out at, and we just asked him if he wanted to be in a video because he had a motorcycle, and and I just wanted the motorcycle and him in, in the video. So,
2: and there's a shot, many shots where there's a limo and everything. And I heard you used to be a limo driver. So is that
1: yes, happening? Really yes, and my my buddy Tony, um, he owned his own limo. So him, so he was a limo driver. And then we went to eat uh, lunch at his wife's um, restaurant. And then there, then we shot some more scenes by the restaurant.
2: Oh, that's really cool. Um, okay, so from losing you, you made VHS copies of all these videos, like Journey to Mars, uh, Rock and Roll Santa, et cetera, et cetera. Losing you, and they made their way around. And finally, someone gave Marilyn Manson a copy of your video or videos, and you ended. Yeah, up I'll tell
1: you about. Yeah, I'll tell you the story about Marilyn Manson. But Losing You and Baby Blues winded up up on Beavis and Butthead.
2: When was that? What year was that?
1: Must have been like right around like between 93 to 94, somewhere around there.
2: Oh, wow. Okay, so you'd already gotten national coverage on like a big-time show By the time 94 rolled around. Wow. Okay. Because a lot, what most people know you only from the advent of YouTube, myself included, like YouTube was posted around 2005,
1: 2006. Right. Um, Mind you, the thing, my, my videos were on VHS, which is obsolete now and then, but um, somebody got a, uh, got a copy of the, and then they, started posting it on YouTube. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, can you tell me the story about you opening up for Marilyn Manson, you and Marilyn Manson?
1: Right. Marilyn Manson was doing his book signing tour. I think that was back in, what, 97, 98, that he was doing his, um, and he, he happened to go to Tower Records in Bloomington, Illinois, Bloomingdale, Illinois, my friend Jimmy was talking to him about, about me. He put together a little press kit for me and he gave it to Manson's driver in the limo. And Manson listened to it and watched the video and listened to my music. And a few days before September the 5th, Labor Day weekend, Manson's people called... Um, Manson's people called the record company. Record company called Jim to find, get my number because Manson was looking for me. Manson wanted me to sing for Rose McGavin's birthday party, which I did.
2: And then that, but that wasn't the last time you played. You, you were associated no, with Manson, that,
1: right? No, and that, and that's what started it. Then two days before his concert in in Chicago, he caught up his people caught up and said, Manson like you do us a favor. I was already going to the concert. I already had VIP tickets, but they called me up and they said, Manson would like you to open for him, and they gave me a 20-minute. So I was the first person to go on stage, and then behind me was another band and then Manson.
2: Oh, that was amazing. So so you did that one show, and you did that that birthday party for Rose McGowan.
1: Right, and then I did such a good job that he, He asked me, he was doing one in Wisconsin, and said, okay, I did his show in Chicago Friday, Saturday I had my own gig gig for Halloween, and then I opened for him again on Sunday in (laughs) Wisconsin. (laughs)
2: That's amazing. That's amazing. And, of course, he was at his height at that time. Like, we're talking, what are we talking here, late 90s?
1: We were talking about 98, 99. Um, that was the year that they had the cowboy shooting. And he, a lot oh, of his right. shows were seen. So, because he he'll, he'll call at the last minute and he'll say, Can Jen, can you, we'll, we'll fly out and can you do this? And i sometimes I'll, sometimes I'll be his act after he performed. He wanted to unwind. So then I'll, I'll put on a 38 to 40 minute show for him and his friends. Just for them to
2: unwind. oh so you did that as well, mhm, oh my god, so um ha- have you been in touch with Manson since then?
1: No, now that I live in california i just I just bumped into Triggy, so Triggy's gonna let Manson know I'm here,
2: well, that's also how i you know I saw the photo with you and Twiggy on Instagram, and that's kind of what got me to message you it was yeah.
1: What- he- I didn't know Triggy's real that you name. Yeah, I I have Instagram. Like I said, I didn't know Triggy's real name. The guy that, that, uh, they're so using one of my music, um uh, my one song, If You Want a Divorce, in a documentary, mo- a small, uh, movie he's putting together. And Triggy's doing a lot of music for it. But, um, I don't, he mentions Triggy's real name, and I don't know Triggy's real name. I only know him as Triggy.
2: Right. Uh, how did you end up on The Daily Show in 2000?
1: The uh, Daily people <clears throat> knew that I, I opened up for Manson, and they were friends with me and Kyle and they asked me to, because um, I used to view me and too. And they asked if if they could come out and videotape me, and they
2: did. So, I see, I see. Um, and you, you, you know, with all the Manson dates that you did, the after show shows that you put on, et cetera, et cetera. Now, did you ever get the bug to tour, like go on tour, or have you gone on tour yourself, like Jan Terry tour? Um,
1: mm, just smaller, just small gigs. Not, not. Like the main thing in Plus 2, mind you, what's going on in the world with ISIS and stuff like that and American going overseas. I, I mean, a lot of people want me overseas, and I'm just a little bit hesitating going overseas right now.
2: How about a Jan Terry North American tour? Like, I'm in Toronto, and I would definitely go to your show if you were to come to Toronto.
1: Well, it depends... I was just talking to Denny the dog. It depends on who, who becomes our president. Denny and I might move to Canada and become Canucks.
2: <laughs> you might become a Canadian You might you might become a Canadian resident if
1: who wins. The one Denny cannot stand.
2: <laughs> Denny um, loves
1: Donald Trump. Denny, Denny, I've taken Denny on. He's been he's been. He's been on a few uh, Trump rallies. Denny well, loves Donald Trump. He cannot stand Hillary Clinton. So
2: so Denny likes Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. So if Trump wins, you would stay in America, but if Hillary wins, you you would move to Canada? Yep. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I
1: just everybody else is the other way around. They go, if Trump wins, they're moving out of the country. Right. Me, I'm the other way around. If right. she wins I'm moving out of
2: the
1: country. Right.
2: And we must we must clarify here, Denny is your dog.
1: Yes, Denny Denny's a Cubs Cubs fan and he was so happy the Cubs won. Right. He's Cubs and he's a Dodger fan. I personally I like hockey and Canadian has a real good um hockey team.
2: Yeah, there's a few yeah. of them.
1: Yeah, and I and I I like um the Wolves, um Chicago Blackhawks and the Nashville Predators. Right.
2: So. Yeah, you being from originally from Chicago.
1: Yes. I'm not okay. I'm not I'm not crazy about football, not crazy about basketball, but when we had Michael Jordan in that season when they played against the uh Utah Jazz, it was a good um, World Series thing, or NBA Series or whatever they want to call it. Right. Well, Denny and, likes and baseball and I like hockey.
2: Right. Uh, we must stress again, Denny is the dog, like you, you post a lot of photos of Denny, your dog, on Instagram. Oh, yeah, right? cause
1: he's got a
2: lot of fans, too. Yeah. So so he's seems to have a, a a complete mind of his own and personality and he's got his own likes and dislikes when it comes to sports and personalities all on his own.
1: Yeah, he likes um he likes cantaloupe. He likes cannel so. right. oak. Yeah, he's a character. Well,
2: <laughs> well um I, I wanna kinda get back to your music. Um now, a lot of people don't realize this, and I know this, but aside from singing on a lot of your music, you also play drums on a lot of the tracks. Am I right, or am i wrong
1: you're- you're correct you're right I was nineteen eighty oh, illinois state champ sorry I was nineteen eighty Illinois state champ for playing the drums. oh wow, wow. And that was a shit. And that was the same, that was the same year I, um also went into one of the Tan Kwon Do karate tournaments. Tan Kwon Do is Korean karate. Um, those tournaments are not like, the, like you see that, uh, karate kid. It's slightly different. Right. So, and I got a trophy. There.
2: You won a tournament or something? Yes. Wow. Uh, okay, I want to I want to kind of get into a, a little bit of the minutiae of your discography. So, I just wanted to ask you: so between High Risk, which was released in nineteen ninety four, I think, right, to Wild mm-hmm. One, which was released in twenty twelve, that's like an eighteen year gap. What was the reason for this long gap? Were you not doing music? It, like, what, what? Why such a long Wild, period?
1: Wild One was Wild One was um, technically done in ninety like ninety seven or ninety four or something down in Nashville, and it just wasn't it just wasn't released the same were like the no rules album it was um it was done in Chicago I did the vocals in um Nashville, and then getting the people to they couldn't find it then when they find it, they were supposed to mix it for me and I had to go down to Nashville and bring it, and I had it mixed in, in out in California.
2: But why such a long period? Why didn't she just put it out in, well, 98 or 99 when you were, like, Marilyn was having you open for them and you were kind of hot back then?
1: I wasn't really hot back then, but, um, money-wise, because, mind you, I'm the one flipping the bill for all this stuff.
2: Right, okay, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. But now, like ever since 2012 with Wild One, you put that out, and then you followed it up with No Rules a year later. And then Holiday Songs, which is really just a compilation, a year after that in 2014. So you've been fairly prolific since since 2012. Now it's 2016. Am I wrong to assume that there's no new material from you, or are you working on stuff?
1: There's a couple new songs. I just have to go in the studio and record them. And then I'm waiting. Um, my friend in in Chicago is doing my geography book, and he's, he still hasn't finished it for me. And he's also doing the documentary, so he wants to get them both together at the same time. That's what I'm waiting for.
2: And that's something I noticed is it's been a couple of years that both projects have been in the works, right? Yep. And they're still going. You're still, you still plan to release these two projects, the documentary film and the b- biography.
1: Yes. As soon as, you know, but it's not up to me because they're the ones finishing it. And so oh, right. when they get it done, it gets done.
2: Right. Right. Um, now i know that you have a Bandcamp page and that's really a good thing for any kind of musician or band to have in 2016. it's an easy way for people to buy your music to access your music but i was wondering i know you've put out your first two albums were issued out on cd but i was wondering now that you know 2016 nobody really makes cds anymore do you have any plans on reissuing any of these albums on vinyl like a hard copy of a Jan Terry album?
1: Probably down the road, um, I think. But right now, you can just get it, you know, download. That's how we have it set up.
2: I can't believe that no record label has shown any interest in reissuing your albums.
1: Well, I'm not, like I said, I'm not big enough. I'm not, probably not good enough for them, so. That's that is
2: insane. I mean, for, like, I don't know. I think I think there would be, I perhaps not enough labels know that your discography is really kind of up for reissuing. Maybe they just don't know that they can do it. But hopefully people, the word will get around and maybe there'll be a record label that'll want to reissue your... Yeah,
1: the only, the only thing I was, do, I was doing was hot package for two years and we're waiting for them to... Um, come up with season three, and then I'm in that cameo of that movie, Aloha, by Cameron Crowe.
2: Right, yes, Aloha, yes. And I must say that Derek Beckles from Hot Package has been on this podcast twice. He's a great
1: guy, I I like him. Yeah. Yeah, we got the, I got a successful award that's supposed to be better than an Oscar, it was. It's something that they that um, hot package people put together, and they go, now, oh did, yeah, this is better than an Oscar. Hmm? How did
2: Derek reach out to you? How did he find you, or how did you find him? What's that connection with hot package?
1: Derek was going through videos, and he liked my losing you video. And then the the same time, there was this other girl in New York that he liked. Um, she had something about. Um, being a beautician something about and then they had us uh, on the show and we were like battling against one another
2: I see oh I see like kind of like a viral viral video championship sing off or something
1: yeah the way they did it and um, it was just a one day shoot and what else oh um and Alan Thick was there on the sh- on the set, and I got oh, to meet wow. him.
2: Oh, that's so cool! Well, you know what, Jan? I'm Canadian. I'm talking from Toronto. Derek is Canadian, and Alan Thick is from Can- from Canada. He's Canadian. You are surrounded by Canadians.
1: The only one I can't stand up that's a Canadian is your Justin Bieber. I can't stand him. <laughs>
2: Well, you know what you should do? If you can't stand him so much, cover him and beat
1: him at his own songs. I can't stand him sing. I just can't stand the guy. <laughs> N- not at all. Oh. Hey, well, do you think? The only song I liked when he first came out, I thought he was an okay guy. I thought, okay, he was a cute little kid and, you know, his song was good, but then after a while he became a jerk. I can't deal with it, so.
2: Well, yeah, you know what the thing with Justin Bieber is? I think he had to grow up in in the public eye, and when you get that much adoration, and you, you're growing up and you don't have to deal with it, you you, you stumble along the way. I think he did it well, publicly. Well, I mean,
1: you can grow up sensible. There are people that have grown up in the industry that are decent people, and there's people that grow up in the industry that are just jerks. I mean. So
2: it depends on the
1: person.
2: True enough. Depends
1: but, uh, up, it depends on the person. Yeah. And now, just, do think, you have... just think when when you take away the fame and you take away the money, they're just like you and I. They're nothing they're nothing special. So that's how you exactly. look at it. Yeah, exactly.
2: Now, what what do you have in store? I know you got the documentary film. You've got the biography. You've got a few songs that you're working on. No, no album, no concrete, like, releases for full albums anytime soon. You're just kind of marinating on all this. But is there any way anyone can, like, reach out to you, like the way I do, but, like, to have you perform, yeah, you do
1: one-offs? Um, I haven't been performing any any shows right now. The only thing I do do is if... Um, they want the autograph pictures and they um go they order it at my paypal address and then I, I mail out i physically i physically take it to the post office and i whatever message they want on it i do that and and then then I had a few people that want um they want like phone calls or something like that and i do that Beautiful. and if the information is on pay. It, it, the information is on my Facebook page and it's also on Bandcamp if you just go under uh, I think it's under Merchandise, it's on Bandcamp too. Anyone can do a
2: search, Jan Terry on Google and I'm sure they'll find the, the right pages.
1: Yeah, no, I haven't been feeling well so that's another thing I um, have to take some tests next week. So I'm
2: sorry, sorry. to hear that, Jan. Um, I hope... Uh, this wasn't too much out of your day.
1: No, 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 it's fine talking to you. I'm, I have no problem with that. Okay. Just.
2: Yeah. Oh. Well, thank you very much, Jan. It, I, once again, I, I mean, I really appreciate you talking to me today, and this has been great. So, thanks a lot, Jan.
1: Anytime, anytime. So, um, you, you're in Ontario, so it's. I think it's, it isn't. It's just Montreal's always lunch. Are you guys French too?
2: It's no, it's uh I'm on Eastern time, so it's 3:30 in the afternoon for me.
1: No, I'm I'm saying um one part of Canada they speak French. Is it just Quebec or Montreal? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, Quebec. I'm in Ontario, so we're English speaking.
1: Okay. Yeah. Good day mate. Australian.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You do a lot of impressions, too, I was told.
1: Oh, yes. Um, I, mean, I like some of those old-time movies, and sometimes they have it. Uh, the best one is the original, um, guess who's coming to dinner with Spencer Tracy, Katherine Hepburn, and there's a, another movie. She uh, Her name was Jean Tierney. And the movie was called Laurel, and it also had Vincent Price Price in it. And then the original Out-of-Towners with Sandy Dennis and Jack Lemmon.
2: And you do impressions?
1: The only one I can do is, Oh, you're my knight in shining armor, and I do, do, do love you. Um, That's Catherine Hepburn from On the Golden Pond. (laughs) That is... uh
2: surreal and incredible, all at the same time. Yeah, and and then, and then, We
1: are top area, seek and destroy. We are the Daleks, exterminate, exterminate. Hello, oh, the doctor, he's coming. From Doctor Who.
2: Oh, Doctor Who? Oh, yeah.
1: wow.
2: Okay. So, wow.
1: At least, it's, some And cool. then, um, I don't with you, Great. I will be your next president.
2: That's Richard Nixon. Yes. Very timely.
1: Hi there. Hi there. I'm Jimmy Carter. And peanuts, peanuts, went up. Thanks to the Alphans. But I'm going to be running mate right with 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 Richard Nixon, and we'll be running together. Did you picture them two running?
2: Right. Right. That's great. Can you do any other presidents? Can you do uh can you do Donald Trump? Even though he's not um, president.
1: Yeah, he should be. Um not really, it's not really. Yeah, not really. I just know we have a really big shoot tonight. Really big. I hope G you will be in the audience today. You tell your mouse. Number you you're kinda of young, but at Sulvin.
2: Oh, Ed Sullivan. Oh, okay, that was Ed Sullivan. I know who yes, Ed
1: Sullivan and, is. But, right, okay. and then... I thought, um, that, I thought that was Trump. No, Trump, Trump, um, we're going to make America great again. Right. It's, I, I can't really do Trump. I mean, so... Right. It's oh, he says, we're making America great again. We'll be number one.
2: Well... I think on that note, it was great got having you, you on the up. podcast. Okay, got you cra- I said I got you cracking up. That's a good thing. <laughs> oh, oh yes, that is great. My favorite one, I think, was the uh, Catherine Hepburn one, right off the top.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that's how she talked. Um, if you, especially on that movie Golden Pond, with her head, Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda. Yeah. And um, he had, according to in the movie, I think he had like Alzheimer's or dementia, and he, and he went off, and then he and then he came back, and he, he was sitting down, and she bent over, and she goes, you are my knight in charming armor, and I do, do, do love you. So, that's... <laughs>
2: that's great. Well, thank you, Jan. Thank you for this. <laughs> no problem. This has been great. And uh, I really appreciate it. And I'm, I really do. Like I mentioned in the message, I'm a big fan and uh, really love your stuff.
1: No, thanks. All right. And say hi to Denny for me. Hi, well, Denny. He's just he up. Just, uh, your fans say hello. So also <laughs> tell, tell his fans out there can Canada that Denny says hello. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Jan. You too. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye. I don't want to lose you tonight